Uh, good mo- I didn't say earlier good morning to those watching online, whether you're watching live or you're watching some other day of the week or you're on the treadmill right now or whatever you're doing. Um, we're so glad that you're watching. And if you have the physical ability, you're watching and you have the physical ability, I mean, we would love to have you in the house. It's different in this house than it is when you're watching online or you're listening online. And so we know some, that's the only way that they can participate and, and we're thankful for that. But I just want to encourage, uh, if you're physically able just even this morning during the worship time, just how powerful uh, the Spirit of God is. And, and uh, you just sense the peace of God and the love of God. Uh, so just wanted to say that. But we, uh, last week I started something. Of, we're going to finish it today. And so it's just a two-week deal. So if you don't like this at all, come back next week. Next week we're starting a, a series uh, called The Puzzle of Purpose. And one of the greatest needs that you and I have in our lives, whether we realize it or not, is to understand the purpose to which God has called us. And so beginning next, year, next week, we'll be talking about that. We'll be looking in Ephesians chapter 4 and unpacking some things um, that uh, the Holy Spirit speaks through Paul about. But today, we're going to continue this idea of the God-sized vision. And uh, we recognize that without vision, everyone just kind of goes in their own direction and does what seems right to them. But when, when a group of people are unified around a sense of this is where we're heading. And when a group of people will put their energies and put unity into a particular sense of where we're going, man, nothing can stop them. And we're better together. When we are moving together toward a purpose, it's so incredible. And so last week, what I shared with you was a verse that has been so helpful to me in understanding what I believe God has for this church regarding the vision. That it's not a vision that, that, that I would come up with or that Pastor Aaron would come up with or that a board of stewards would come up with. That we really want to understand what is God's vision for this group of Jesus followers. And so we looked in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and I don't want to go through everything I talked about last week, but this is the last thing that the, the Luke, who is the author of Acts and also the author of the Gospel of Luke, the last thing that Luke records Jesus saying before he ascends to the Father are these words that we're about to look at. He says, but you, this is Jesus speaking, and then in verse 9 he ascends to the Father. So in verse 8 he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in one verse, we get a sense of where we are supposed to be going and what we are supposed to be doing and what is Jesus's vision for the church. Again, not what my vision is, but what his vision is. He says, first of all, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In other words, this is not something that you can do or I can do in our own strength or intellect or education or our own empowerment. We can't do this. We need the Holy Spirit of God in order to do this. And he says the Holy Spirit, is he's anointing you, he's empowering you for a purpose, and that is so that you and I can be witnesses. And last week, we unpacked what that idea is, that witnesses is not, a witness in a courtroom is not an expert. A witness is someone who says, I saw something, I heard something. And God is wanting to empower us by his Holy Spirit so that we can share with others what we have seen and what we have heard, what God has done in our own lives, how he has delivered us, how he has freed us, how he has forgiven us, right? But then Jesus gives a strategy and and, and it gets into very specifics. And, And realize Jesus is not just rambling here. 
Jesus knows this is the last sentence he's going to speak and then he's going to ascend. He is speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit and he understands that these words will be preserved and that 2,000 years later, people will be sitting in churches unpacking these words or sitting in homes or sitting in Bible study groups and unpacking these words. He says, you're going to be witnesses and he gives a very clear strategy. He says, in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so if you were here last week, we kind of drew this out of what does that look like? Well, first of all, he says Jerusalem, right? We are to be witnesses and he's empowering us by his Holy Spirit to be witnesses in Jerusalem. And some of you are like, um, Ken, I'm not in Jerusalem. We're gonna get to that in just a moment. The second place that he says, he says, and in all, what's the word there? Okay, like three of you, that's great. Judea, right? Right? So he says, Jerusalem and in all Judea. And then what does he say next? And Samaria. Oh, some more of you are getting involved in this. So that's great. Samaria. And then finally he says, and into the ends of the earth, right? And I'm not going to write all that out. I'll just put ends of the earth, right? That these are the places that the Holy Spirit is empowering us to be witnesses to, that we are to be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we asked the question, if Jesus was to physically stand here on this platform today, and we were able to ask him, Jesus, which one of these is the one we're supposed to be witnesses to, Jesus would look at us like, come on, you knucklehead. I didn't use the word or, Jerusalem or Judea, or Samaria, or the ends of the earth. I used the word and, and I used it intentionally because I want you to be my witnesses in all of the above. All of these places matter to me. And so last week we also unpacked, well, what, what does this mean? Like Jerusalem, we don't live in Jerusalem, but the people that Jesus was talking to when he gave this in Acts chapter one, verse eight, they did live in Jerusalem. So when we're talking about Jerusalem, we're talking about right where I am. Oh, I love that sound. You guys love that sound? Could you hear it? I love that sound. I love the smell as well, but I'm not gonna. All right. <laughs> Anointing fall on me. Okay, so Jerusalem is right where I am. Now, okay, we're all right now at 565 South State Route 19. If you're watching this online, you're somewhere else, but right where you are, for a lot of us in this room, is Fremont or it's Clyde, or it's Bellevue, or it's Tiffin, or it's Fostoria, or it's Oak Harbor, right where I am. Listen, you need to understand this. Right where God has put, put you and positioned you, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know. Sometimes we, we don't witness because we're afraid we're not gonna be able to answer a question. Listen, there's still questions that people ask me and I've been through all kinds of training and I have to say, you know, that's a really good question and I don't know the answer, but I'll help you try to figure out the answer. We'll work toward an answer. Listen, to be a witness, you don't have to have the answer to every question. To be a witness, you just simply have to say, this is what I've seen. This is what I've experienced. This is what I saw. This is what I heard. This is how Jesus revealed himself to me, right? So right where I am, I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to be a witness. In all Judea, what would this be? For us today, if you, if you live here, this would be Ohio. This is a region in which we live. Judea was a region. It included Jerusalem, it included other cities, but it was a broader area, right? 
And so for us, we, how can we be witnesses, not just in the place that we live, Fremont, Clyde, whatever it would be, how can be, we be witnesses all throughout Ohio? Uh, last time I checked, it's 11.7 million people who live in the state of Ohio. How many of them don't know Jesus? How many of them have never heard the hope of Jesus Christ? How many of them don't even know who Jesus is? Maybe they know about Jesus on a cross, but they don't know why he was on a cross. They don't know why he was resurrected from the dead, if they even know that he was resurrected from the dead. How, how do we be a part of that? And, and we talked last week about some issues, and we'll talk more about that today. Samaria would be people who are like me, but not like me. And we talked about the Samaritans, where geographically they were very connected to Samaritans. They would see Samar- Jews and Samaritans would see each other quite often. They actually came from a similar lineage. They had the same, same ancestry for the most part. But over the years, they, had, they didn't have the same shared experiences and they started having some divergent theological perspectives. And so these are people who are like them, but not like them. And so maybe economically, people who are like me, but they're not like me, or people who speak a different language. They live around me, they speak a different language. Maybe they vote differently, whatever it would be. How can we be witnesses? How can we share Jesus to the people in our Samaria, the people right around us, they go to Walmart, they go to our schools, they go to wherever it would be, and they're like me, but they're not like me. They're in our nursing homes, they're in our homeless shelters, they're like me, but they're not like me. And then the ends of the earth, in church world, if you've been around church, we we've often have done somewhat decent on this, we understand this, we'll send our money to missionaries, this is, this is all around the world, all the nations, all the tribes, all the languages, right? So, so when we talk about a God-sized vision, we're talking about how do, we, how do we accomplish what Jesus gave to us to accomplish? Again, this isn't my vision. This isn't somebody else's vision. This is Jesus' vision presented in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And so what, what we want to do today in the, in the time that we have together is answer some of the questions that maybe you were here last week and you heard me talk about this, or maybe you're hearing this for the first time, and these are questions that would, that would come to your mind, and, and just basically three uh, different questions. The first one would be, okay, what, so what exactly, though, is the God-sized vision? Can I get Acts 1a, I get Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, what are you asking us to do? What is the actual vision? Okay, so, so we're going to get into what is the vision in a moment. A second question that maybe you would have and a lot of people have is the question, why? Why is this such a big deal? Why now? Why, why are you so excited about this, Ken? Why? Why the God-sized vision? And then the third one would be, how exactly are we going to do Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the earth? Ken, there's 8 billion people on this earth. Like how, how is our medium-sized church in rural Ohio going to do something about that, right? So how, how are we practically going to do that? So let me get into a couple of these questions. First of all, what is the vision exactly? Last week, we laid out the thought that, hey, in order to do this, this is going to require work. And this is going to require a focus and a priority and a perspective that maybe we haven't had. This is gonna require planning. This is gonna require volunteer time. This is gonna require money, right? And sometimes it's gonna require different elements of these things. Some, some things are gonna require more volunteer time and not as much money. Some things are gonna require way more money and unfortunately we can't necessarily be the boots on the ground because it's on the other side of the world, right? And so it's gonna require action. It's gonna require us doing something. 
And from a financial perspective, what it's going to require, we believe that as we look at our church and look at the number of people who attend the church, our team has, has prayed about this. And we believe that together, if we all participate, that we could in the next year invest $200,000 outside the doors of the church. This isn't money to go pay for mortgage payments or for utilities or for salaries or for curriculum for the youth group or curriculum for kids ministry or any of that. This is, this is all money, $200,000 that could go outside the doors of the church to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And some of you who are financially astute would say, well, that's a great number. What would you guys do with it? Like, Ken, let's say we wave a magic wand and next Next week, you know, there's $200,000 in commitments that are made. Where would that money go? And that's a great question. And you should always ask those kinds of questions. And so as our team has gotten together and just dreamed, okay, what if we had $200,000, how could we help accomplish the mission that Jesus has for us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? And I don't want to be too nerdy, but here's some of the ways that that money would be spent. First of all, we have uh, 33 partner ministries and missionaries that we support right now. Currently, we support them at $150 a month. We would like to increase that to $200 a month. So 200 times 33, that's monthly, would be 6,600 times 12 would be 70-some thousand. I don't even know. I don't, have, I don't have that spreadsheet in front of me, but some of you have a calculator in your phone. You can figure that out, and uh, that'll keep you awake for a few more minutes too, so that'd be great. In addition to that, so that's a lot of money. That's a big chunk of that 200,000. By the way, of those 33 partner ministries and missionaries, 11 of those are for the most part local, Ohio, maybe a few of those 11 would be outside the state of Ohio. The other 22 are outside of the continental United States. And so there's a, there's a balance there. We're trying, to, we're trying to make sure that we're covering each of our areas. So that, that's a big chunk of the money, right? In addition to that, in addition to the $200 a month to the 33, would be providing $45,000 in ministry grants to our partner foreign missionaries. So to those that we support that are outside the continental United States, we would love to be, in fact, we're already communicating with them and asking them, hey, are there any projects that you have that aren't currently funded with the support that you receive? Last week, we gave you the example in Alaska and the opportunity that they've been given and how incredible it would be for us to, you know, invest $20,000 or maybe we can't do that. Maybe we could do $10,000 or whatever we could to help be a boost to what they're doing, Right. Uh, or, so $45,000 in ministry grants. And, and this, we have a team of people that would comb through and make sure that, these, that we're not just throwing money out, you know, that, that, that this is intentional and that it's gonna result in us being witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and so the earth. In addition, so in addition to the $200 a month, the $45,000 in ministry grants would be providing $20,000 in ministry grants to our local ministry partners. So right here in Fremont, whether it's Liberty Center or Sharing Care or Heartbeat, that they have needs that above what we're already supporting them monthly, that we could come alongside and say, hey, we wanna help you reseal that parking lot. Or we wanna help you, whatever the need would be, we wanna come alongside and we wanna help you with that project. In addition, we would like to continue giving at least $7,000 a year to planning churches in the state of Ohio. And last week, I can't remember what service, I think it was this service, I gave the wrong figure. We invested $7,000 last year and, and it was actually 15 churches that were planted. I think in this service, I said 25. It was actually 15 churches that were planted last year. Can I tell you 15, is not, we need 
For the state of Ohio, we need a thousand churches. You know how many churches are closing every week? It's a great, the population is growing and the number of churches is decreasing. And so we can't even keep up. And so, so at least $7,000 would go to that. Uh, money would go to helping Heartland. Right now, we would give around $7,000 as well. Heartland is a camp and retreat center that Journey Church owns along with 280 other partner churches. It's just north of Columbus. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. We send our kids there every summer for week-long camps and our middle school students and high school students. It's an incredible place. And, and because we're part owners, we support it with monthly support to, to try to help them with utilities and everything else. We wanna to continue to do that. And so when we're talking about this money, again, this money, this $200,000 is all outside the doors of Journey Church. This isn't about us. This isn't about what we are doing to minister to our community right here. So why is this so important? Why? And that's a great, honestly, it's a great question to ask. And the snarky dad answer would be because Jesus told us. And that's why it's so important, right? And that, and that is true. Like Jesus said, this isn't me. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit's gonna come on you. You're gonna be my witnesses and you need to be going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and ends of the earth. And so why are, why are we wanting to do this? Because Jesus told us to do it, okay? But, but even beyond that, and there is a sense of obedience where we recognize, hey, everybody's gonna spend forever somewhere, right? You do understand that, right? You do understand the mortality rate is still hovering around 100%. And everybody, unless Jesus comes back first, and we believe he's coming soon, that we're going to die, and we're going to spend forever somewhere in heaven or in hell. And it is our job, because of the, what we have received, the grace that we've received, we want, we want to make sure that other people know that, right? Not only that, but we have a stewardship. And in fact, we will be judged for what we have done with the resources, not just money, but the knowledge and education and the experiences that we have received. You know, we're gonna be judged for this. I feel this a little more heavily because the book of James says that teachers and church leaders are gonna be judged even more harshly than people who are not teachers. One day I will be judged and the Lord will say, Ken, you led a whole group of people how did you help them grow in me? And I want to be able to say, I, I was faithful. You know, one of the greatest enemies to your spiritual growth here in the United States of America, the enemy to my spiritual growth, one of, I'm not saying it's the only one, one of the great enemies to our spiritual growth is materialism. Materialism, and it is so, it, it's so sneaky, we don't even see it half the time. I, I, I don't agree with this person. He's an atheist. He's politically, I don't necessarily agree with everything he has to say. But there's, it, within culture, Bill Maher, I don't know if you guys have heard of Bill Maher, even this weekend, you can see this is one of the top trending things on YouTube, he had this whole rant about the materialism that is in our entertainment, materialism that specifically he was talking about in our music and what it's doing to our kids and to our next generation and how different it is from the generations in the past. And here's this atheist saying, listen, the United States has a problem with this hyper-focus on materialism. Here's an atheist saying that. One of the enemies of our spiritual growth is what I want and what I need and bigger and better and more and shinier. And so one of the things that helps me to not be so gripped by materialism is to be generous. 
That's why we talk a lot about this. This isn't about us. This is about how can we be generous to the kingdom of God, right? But even beyond that, okay, so why is this so important? Let me give you the, probably the greatest reason why this is so important. The Apostle Paul, and I don't know what all you know about the Apostle Paul, but the Apostle Paul is an amazing individual and who was not following Christ, did not believe in Jesus, did not believe in Jesus' resurrection, and then he had an encounter with Jesus in Acts chapter 9, and it changed everything, and he became all in with Jesus, and he started going to places that nobody else would go to to be a witness of what Jesus had done in his life, and letting other people know, and he started, churches would start in these communities, it was incredible, but Paul in 2 Corinthians talks about the fact that, hey, when you obey Jesus, it's not always easy. Sometimes, I don't know if you grew up in a church like this or maybe you had experience with a church. Sometimes churches, and I don't think we mean to do this, but we kind of preach this message that if, well, if you'll follow Jesus and you'll be, be obedient to Jesus, everything's gonna be great in your life. Everything's awesome, right? But the truth of the matter is, biblically, those who followed Jesus and obeyed him, particularly in the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament after Jesus' death and resurrection, they actually experienced more hardship because of following Jesus. It was common for followers of Jesus to have their property confiscated. It was common. They all knew people who had been imprisoned. They even sometimes knew people who had been executed because of their choice to obey Jesus and follow him. And so Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he's just talking about the hardships that accompany being obedient to Christ. And he says, we're hard pressed on every side. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 8. He says, we're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're persecuted. And this wasn't just persecution like somebody talked bad about me. This was like what I was saying, imprisonment, execution. He goes, we're, we're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. We're struck down. We're not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive, who's that? Us, right? Turn to the person next to you right now and make sure they're alive. Just, you know, you might need to pinch them, might need to help them out a little bit. They're awake, they're alive, right? We who are alive, he says, but we who are alive, that's you and I, are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. And I gotta tell you, if you read this, you go, Paul, why would you go through all of this? Why would you, why would you give your life to being persecuted and crushed and, and abandoned and all? Why, why would you allow this? Well, a few verses later, he gives us the answer. And this is our why to why the God-sized vision is such a big deal for us. Here's the why. A couple verses later in chapter five, verse 14, Paul says, for Christ's love compels us. He says, for the love of Jesus compels us. Compels, it can be translated urges, controls, moves, guides, fuels. He's saying, it's the love of Jesus that fuels me. It's not easy. I don't like being persecuted. I don't like being imprisoned. I don't like going to a city and not knowing if I'm going to die in that city, but it's the love of Jesus that fuels me. Can I tell you, our, our why is the love of Jesus. 
See, a lot of, I'm not going to assume that everybody in this room or everybody watching online has had this experience, but for a lot of us, someone came to us and witnessed to us about the love of Jesus. The Bible, the, the Bible talks about good news, but before you can understand the good news, you have to understand the bad news. And the bad news is all of humanity has turned their back on Jesus. We've all turned our back on God. You say, well, I've, I don't know that I've turned my back on God. I've been a pretty good person. No, we've, we've all been jealous. We've all been selfish. We've all been greedy. We've all judged people unfairly. We've all been critical. We've all lacked in generosity at crucial moments. We've all been absorbed with self. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the perfect standard that God has for our lives. It's every single one of us. Myself, definitely included in that group. Definitely included in that group. That's, and, the, and the Bible says because of our sin, what we deserve is eternal separation from God in hell. That's the bad news. The good news is God so loved you. He so loved me. He saw us in our sin. He saw us in our brokenness and our helplessness. He saw that we were sin-stained and sin-covered. He understood that we could not have peace with him because of our own sinfulness. And so he sent Jesus to come to this earth to die on the cross, to take upon himself the curse of sin that I deserve, Jesus took that upon himself. He became our substitutionary atonement. He took upon himself the punishment that you and I deserve. And that if we would believe in him and believe that he is the son of God, that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus was crucified and risen from the dead, and if we will put the full weight of our trust and our confidence, if we will put the weight of our life upon him, that we can be saved, we can be forgiven, we can have hope, we can have peace with God, we can have purpose. Somewhere along the way, someone communicated that message to a lot of you in this room. Maybe it was a parent, or maybe it was a, a pastor, or maybe it was someone that you worked with, Some, maybe it was a best friend, maybe it was someone in school. Someone communicated this message. Maybe it was, maybe it was through electronic means. I have a friend who got saved, uh, uh, I won't go into the whole story, it had to do with the Simpsons. And uh, he had stole, I'll tell you the story, he's one of our missionaries that we support, he had stolen something that day, and he watched an episode of the Simpsons where Bart goes to hell for stealing, and he was so convicted, he got online and started Googling, how can I be saved? And fortunately, he went to a good website and he got saved without anyone even talking to him, just simply through The Simpsons and through Google. Right? Somewhere along the way, someone communicated with you this message. And because you have been a recipient of someone witnessing to you and experiencing the love of God demonstrated to you, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter five, it is the love of Jesus that fuels me, that compels me to do this despite how I feel. This probably didn't feel good to Paul. It, it cost him more than money. It cost him his life. Ultimately, he would be beheaded because of following and obeying Jesus, right? So the why behind all of this is, it's the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus demonstrated toward me. And so I don't want to just be a taker. I don't want to just be a recipient. I want to make sure that I'm contributing back what I myself have experienced. It's the love of Jesus that fuels me. It's the love of Jesus that compels me. Christ's love compels us. 
So how are we going to do this? That's the third question. It's the last question. How are, how are we going to do this? Can I just tell you $200,000? I don't care who you are. That's a lot of money. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's a lot of money. Dude, that is a lot of money, right? How can in a year we're going we're gonna to invest $200,000 to being witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of your, how in the world are we going to do that? Well, first of all, One of the commitments that we've made is that 10% of the tithe that is brought to journey is going to automatically go to this God-sized vision. So right out of the gates, now can I tell you that's not not the $200,000. That's not $100,000 of the $200,000 at 10%. But but it's it's a good portion to get us there, right? So so when you tithe, you can know that you are participating in the God-sized vision and that 10%. Now here's a commitment that we've made. As soon as the mortgage is paid off, for the church, and we estimate this will be four to five years from now, we're going to increase that to 20%. And our goal, we, this is going to be a God-sized thing. I don't know how it's going to work out economically, but our goal is to get to a place where 25% of what you tithe will go outside the doors of the church to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, some of you, that's not a big deal. I, I promise you, talk to any church talk to any pastor and ask them what percent of their church budget is going outside the doors. And we're not even talking about our entire church budget. We're, we're talking about even just from our general fund, 25%. And then on top of that, 100% of what you give to God's size vision is going to go outside the doors of the church. And here's what we're asking you, that if you are already tithing and God has blessed you to consider in the next year, sometime in the next year, to either give a one-time gift or to give a weekly or a monthly gift to go to the God-sized vision. Carrie and I, for us, we're going to do a monthly gift, and we've already determined that amount, and we're excited about being able to participate in that way. We're not, I'm not just going to preach this. We're going to live this. We're going to do this. And so I want to challenge you. Someone, someone in, this, uh, in the first service, she said, well, I have a, a weekly amount, but I want, to, I want to do it all at one time. Is that allowed? And I said, listen, you can do whatever you want to do. Whatever you feel like God is leading you to do. I'm not here to tell you what it needs to be. I'm just saying, what if we can all participate in some way? I think all of us, whether you're a student in high school or whether you're retired or whatever your state is, all of us can do something. And when we all do something together, 500 of us who call Journey Church our home church, if we all do something over the course of a year, $200,000 is manageable, it's doable. And so I'm, I'm just asking you, I, I mentioned this last week, would you just pray about what the Lord would want you to give? That's all you need to do. Just pray and ask him. And, ask, and I believe that if you'll ask him, he will answer you. And next week on Super Bowl Sunday, we're asking you to bring back this faith promise card. It says God-sized vision on top. And we're just asking you to check one of these boxes. Maybe for you, it's gonna, I'm going to start tithing. And by starting to tithe, you are a partner in the God-sized vision because a percent's going to that, 10% to begin with. Maybe for you, in addition to that, you're going to give a one-time gift, and you would put in there what, what you believe that's going to be. Maybe it's a weekly gift or a monthly gift. Again, you would let us know what that's going to be. Or maybe you would say, I just can't participate at this time, and that's fine as well. We don't, we don't have a Guido and you know, some other his cousin, Italian cousin who's going to come after you and shake you down for the money. That's not what this is about. We don't want anybody giving out of guilt or because of manipulation, It should be, I get to. And if it's, I have to, then it's probably not a great motivation of doing it. It should be, Christ's love compels me and fuels me to do this. And if that's the motivation, that's awesome. 
Now, here's the deal about filling out this faith promise card. You say, Ken, why are you so nosy? Why do you, why do you need me to fill out this card? And the reason why is we want to be good planners. So we will not, when you fill out this card and bring it next week, we will not follow up with you. We're not going to hound you. We're not going to email you every month and tell you what you owe. That's not what this card is for. This card is solely 100%. As I stand before the Lord, this card is to help us to plan so we don't overpromise to our partner ministries and partner missionaries and underdeliver. So we want to make sure that if we say, hey, yeah, to the missionaries, the Burkharts in Alaska, hey, we want to do $10,000 or $20,000. We don't want to tell them that. And then we get to the end of the year, and man, we didn't even get close to it. And we'd be like, I know we promised that. We can't do that. So that, that's the whole reason for this, is to help us as a team to be able to understand what commitments we can be a part of. You say, well, what if we don't raise all $200,000? We're good stewards. We'll figure out how to bring down our commitments below that. What if God moves in a powerful way, Ken, and next week the commitments are way over $200,000? We're going to celebrate, and that's awesome. And I promise you, amongst our 33 partner ministries and missionaries, there will be ways to spend it, and we will be diligent and discerning and use counsel and figuring out how to make sure that those monies are spent appropriately. And then here's the other part of it. We're going to let you know how it's being spent. Think of this as a, just an insanely kingdom of God mutual fund, Right? We're going to be diligent to come to you regularly, monthly, and let you know, hey, here's how your giving to the God-sized vision is making a difference. Here's, what we were, here's a check that we were able to write this past week because of your giving to the God-sized vision. Now, here's the other part of this. The God-sized vision is not just about money. We're going to give you opportunities. In fact, our, our goal is that monthly, maybe, maybe not every month like, uh, you know, in the summer, we're hoping monthly that there's going to be opportunities for you to invest time into God-sized vision. So let me give you a couple examples. Two weeks from now, that would be the 18th, right? We're going to have a service opportunity for you right here in your time at church. You don't want to miss this. It's going to be incredible. People are going to be talking about it afterward. We're going to have an opportunity, and you don't have to do it, but you're going to have an opportunity on the 18th and our Sunday morning to serve. There's 150 people in our community that we would say are Sumerians who are not connected to our church, who need to know the love of Jesus. And we're going to have an opportunity on that morning to minister to about 150 individuals. I can't give you any more information because it'll be a spoiler. It's going to be so awesome. It's going to be so cool. In March, we're doing an outreach where we're giving away 9-volt batteries on fire prevention week to people to encourage them to change the batteries in their smoke detectors. And if they don't have a smoke detector, we're going to help provide smoke detectors because we don't just care about their eternity, we care about their now, and we'd rather them stick around here a little bit longer instead of seeing Jesus sooner, right? And so it's a way of meeting a physical need to earn the right to have a spiritual conversation. The end of March, we're partnering with Sharing Care, and we're going to be doing an Easter basket outreach to people in our community who are economically disadvantaged, and maybe they won't have the means to be able to get Easter baskets for the kids. And so we're going to be a distribution site, and we're going to have volunteers helping with that. It's going to be awesome. And then in April, we're doing a meal packing where we're packing 40,000 meals for people in Haiti, one of the most economically distressed areas in the entire world. And so we're going to need 150 volunteers in this. See, see we're not just talking about your money. We're going to give you plenty of opportunity to put skin in the game as well. Because we believe in serving communities across the street, but also around the world. So last thing I want to, I want to challenge you with, and this is something I, I just think is su- such an interesting idea to think about it. So in the plumbing world, and honestly in the electrician world and every other world, 
There's a piece of equipment called conduit, right? And we have a picture. This is industrial conduit up here. Uh, I I don't know what's flowing through that thing. Tim, what would you even, is that for a water plant? Yeah, okay. He works at a water plant, so I figured he'd know the answer. And so, but in, in, in conduit, occasionally you will see, and you'll see it right there, you have a valve. And the question is, is the valve on or is the valve off? I think in all of our lives, as you're a follower of Jesus, there's a, a conduit. And the conduit is God's blessing, and you have an opportunity to distribute that blessing or not. And what I have found, and this has been true in our marriage, is the more that we open the valve and say, God, as you bless us, we're going to pour that out through us, and we're going to bless other people. It just seems like he just keeps letting it flow. But the moment that we start, the moment that we start going, ah, we're going to turn off that valve, because we want to keep, we want to keep more of that for ourselves. It just seems like there's not as much blessing. God's desire is to flow blessing through you. And I just want to encourage you. I love this word conduit. Kevin uh, helped me out with this. Conduit can mean can do it. That together, if we will open the valve, if we'll ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do through me? If we'll be obedient to that, think of what we can do together. Individually what we can do, but what we can do as a church. So several things. I'm about to close, I promise. As you leave today, we have three different resources out in the lobby. One is, if you didn't get this last week, this is a faith promise card. We want you to bring these back next week. If you won't be here next week, you can send this to us or you can email this to us. And and really what we need is, is the information to help us figure out what we can do together. So that's the faith promise card. This is our updated list of partner uh, ministries and missionaries. And so uh, a lot of these pictures have been updated. Some of them, there's new kids in the picture because the last time we did this, they didn't exist. Uh, And we would encourage you, take one of these and put it in a place where you can pray. Because again, we don't just want to give, we want to pray toward this, right? And so you can take one of these on your way out. And then the last thing, if, if, you'll, if you'll use it, take it. If you won't, just leave it there, is, is a prayer guide of how you can personally pray regarding this God-sized vision. And so begin by thanking God for the privilege of being part of what he's doing in this world. God, I thank you. Thank you that I get to be a part of what you're doing in this world. Pray for clarity regarding the God-sized vision for your life. Ask God to reveal how he wants to use you locally in your Jerusalem to reflect the hope and peace of Jesus. God, help me. Help me to be aware of what's going on around me in my own Jerusalem. It's just a prayer guide to help you. I won't go through every prayer request, but you can take those on your way out. Because again, this isn't just about giving money. This is about we want to grow in prayer. We want to grow in activity. We want to grow in actually not just good intentions, but doing what God wants us to do. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. Before I close and before I dismiss you, it just, it just seems to me that to ask the question, maybe you're here and you, I talked earlier about how the love of Jesus motivates us, it fuels us to be witnesses. And maybe you're here in this room and you say, Ken, I've never experienced the love of Jesus. Ken, I'm in a place where it's hard for me to even believe that God loves me. I'm in a place where I just feel stuck and I feel like, I feel like God's a million miles away and I've never really sensed him in my life. I've never experienced him. I didn't even know really that much about Jesus. I'm kind of kicking the tires trying to figure out what I believe about God or what I believe about Jesus in the Bible. I just want you to know if you're here and I know just statistically with this many people in this room, some of you in this room are in that, in that place. And I would just say, first of all, thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. 
I hope you'll come back next week as we talk about purpose. But what I, what I want to challenge you, you don't have to wait right where you are. You don't, you don't have to understand the whole thing completely. I love that Jesus would call people and he would say, just come and follow me. And they say, well, wait, what, but, but, and he, just come and follow me. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just come, just start following me. And I would just challenge you where you are. Maybe you would say today, I want to begin a journey of following Jesus. I don't understand it all. I don't have every theological question figured out, but I do believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he was crucified and risen from the dead. And I need his forgiveness. I need him to forgive me. I need him to give me purpose and to give me peace. And I understand that doesn't mean my life is going to be cupcakes and unicorns. I understand it doesn't mean that God's going to be a giant cosmic band-aid that takes away all my ouchies. But I need him in my life. I need his presence in my life. I need him to help me and lead me. And if that's you, what a great time. I, don't put it off. This morning, you could just pray a simple prayer where you just say, Jesus, have mercy on me. I believe in you. Forgive me. In fact, if, would you close your eyes and bow your heads? And I believe maybe someone in this room, maybe this morning, you're, you're right there. You're right at that place. We're not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to have people come around you. But right where you are, in fact, in a month, we'll be having baptisms. And that's a great way to publicly declare. But right where you are, if that's you and you say, Ken, I, Jesus is not a part of my life. And I want him to be first in my life. I don't even understand how that works, but I need him. I need him to forgive me of my sins. I need him to be the master and leader of my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Anybody in this room that would say that's me? Yeah, I see you. I see you. Yep, I see you right there. Yep. Anybody else over here? Anybody else? Yep, I see you. You can lower your hand. Anyone else? If you're watching online, there's a way that you can participate. Yep, I saw you over there. Anybody else that would say that's me? If you're watching online, you can just let us know. There's a place you can click if you're on our online, thatexplorejourney.org. If you're on YouTube, maybe write that in the comments. Father, I pray for these who have raised their hands. I, I think there's been four that I've seen. God, you see them. You love them. You've been waiting for this moment. Father, I pray right where they are, God, that they would just, under their breath, pray something like this. In fact, in fact, whole church, would you pray this with me? If you're watching online, you can pray this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe Jesus is the Son of God, risen from the dead. I need his forgiveness. Please cleanse me. I need Jesus to be Lord and master of my life. Come and lead me. I will follow. Thank you for adopting me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you, I, I counted four that I saw the razor. If that's you, we want you to know that's the greatest decision you could possibly make. 
And we're going to ask you to do a couple things. First of all, if you raise your hand, would you let us know on the connection card that Pastor Aaron mentioned earlier? There's a place that says, I'm starting a relationship with Jesus or I'm reaffirming. Would you just check that real quick and let us know that? And you say, why? Because we want to help you this week. There's resources, tools that we want to help you with. Second, we have prayer partners that are coming forward. And as everybody else is leaving, I promise I'm about to dismiss you. As everybody else is leaving, you can come up and these prayer partners would love. You'll make their week. I promise you, if you just say, hey, I was one of those people who raised my hand, they won't judge you, they will celebrate with you, they would love to pray over you, and we have even resources up here that they can give you, and uh, we just are so excited about what God is doing in your life and in the lives of so many others. Hey, this week, may you have ears to hear what God is saying to you. May you listen, may you lean in, and as you lean in, may you hear what he has to say, and may you have the courage to obey what he is asking you to do. God bless you guys. We'll see you later. Have a great week.